everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm a wife and a mom. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I'm a writer, a blogger, and a podcaster, and you're listening to episode 21. Today on the show, in favorite things, I'm going to talk about our pet bunny. And then later on in the lifestyle segment, a little bit about inspirational message fatigue. And my very special guest today is Francine J. She is uh, known as Miss Minimalist and the best-selling author. She's um, written a new book called Lightly, How to Live a Simple, Serene, and Stress-Free Life. And the book is excellent. So, so stay with us for that conversation later in the show. So starting off with favorite things, our lovable bunny thumper. And I wouldn't necessarily say that um, having a pet would ever have factored into one of my favorite things, but if you do want a pet for your kids, I would recommend a bunny. So that's why I wanted to share it with you today. So a couple of years ago, the girls were over visiting friends and they live on a farm and they had some rabbits who had had bunnies. And when I went to pick them up, they kind of both had the kind of each had a little bunny in their hands, like right in the palm of their hand, tiny little thing and, you know, kind of pouting in the sort of can we get one kind of way. And I have uh, I have a picture of that day that I will share in the show notes for today at thismumloves.ca slash podcast. But I saw them and I thought, you know what, they've wanted a pet for so long. And I went home and talked to my husband about it. And we decided, sure, we'll we'll let them get a bunny. So we spent $300 in supplies for the free bunny that we received, which I think is par for the course when you're setting up for a new pet. And you know what? It's been, it's been great. So it's been two and a half years now with Thumper and he lives down in our basement family room. He's got a big, a big cage and completely litter trained. He litter trained really quickly and I actually got some great advice from uh, from a colleague named Jen. I knew that they had a bunny at their house so she gave me lots of tips in terms of how to litter train and what to put in the pan and all of that stuff. The girls really do all the work and that's another reason we waited until they were older for any sort of pet because honestly I'm not an animal person and my husband grew up on a farm and and they had you know some cats and dogs around as pets but but he didn't really care too too much about a pet either because we know that they're a lot of work but the girls look after all of the cleaning out of the cage. They look after the food and water every day. Um, and something that's good about a bunny is if you're going away just for a night, you can leave it because we put the food and water in the, in the morning. And then the next day, whatever time we get back, give more food and water. As long as there's a, a good stock of hay in the little um, hay container, you know that he's going to be fine. So it's not quite the, uh, the high, high demand of another sort of pet. He's really very sweet and well-behaved. He's a cuddly bunny. He loves to be in laps and he loves to be stroked and all of that sort of stuff, which is nice because I know they wanted a kind of pet that they could cuddle with. I would say hair is an issue. Almost any kind of pet that that I would choose would have had hair. But so we do try to keep him sort of confined to the downstairs. And I never used to vacuum so much down there because we use our main floor of our bungalow a whole lot more. So I'd you know, go a couple of weeks without doing a big, a big dust and vacuum, which now I have to do a lot more frequently. So that would probably be my, my little pet peeve, so to speak. We need to get pellets and hay and shavings, which I buy in bulk online and they get delivered, which is good. Not a huge expense if you're going to spend the money on a pet anyway. And then of course he needs to have like the, the lettuce and veggies and all that sort of thing. But a lot of times it's sort of the leftovers and <laughs> extra veggies that we have in the fridge. Um, we also said that we would never take the money to a vet. And again, like when you grow up on a farm and have all these pets around, we just never really thought that 
we'd need to take our bunny to the veterinarian. We did actually get him neutered when we first got him because we read a lot about how male bunnies are a lot calmer and um, and easier to live with if they have been neutered. So we did do that. But um, we did end up going to the vet for a couple of things once Thumper got mites. Now we have no idea how he got mites, but as hard as I tried to find any sort of home remedy or any evidence that it would go away on its own, that doesn't happen. So we did need to go to the vet for that. And then his teeth, his top teeth and bottom teeth both were completely overgrown because rabbit's teeth never stopped growing. And obviously he wasn't getting enough to chew on or whatever the case was. And so we did end up having to go to the vet to have his teeth clipped. So we're trying to make sure he has a lot more like harder things to chew, chew toys, but also food that requires some biting into it so that he has to, uh, so that he can wear down his teeth a little bit. But rabbits can live up to 10 years. So at this point, the girls will be 18 and 20 perhaps when we still have Thumper. So we'll see how that's going then. But I mean, as much as I'm not an animal lover, I definitely do see the advantages of kids having pets. I mean, the responsibility and, and all of that sort of stuff, but also just the the love and companionship of, of a little living thing like that. Although Thumper's not very little, I'll, I'll put a picture of what he looks like now in the show notes too. His father was huge. He's not as big as, as what his father was, but he's a pretty big bunny. People uh, remark on that when they visit him. But if you are looking for a pet that's, you know, reasonably low maintenance, you might want to consider getting a rabbit. I am on social media. If you are looking for me, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at This Mum Loves, and I'm on Instagram at Kate This Mum Loves. You can also find my website at thismumloves.ca. So the main page is a blog, which has podcast posts, but all sorts of other things as well. There are links at the top to a page with all of my TV appearances. There's another one with all of my published writing links. And there's a link at the top that says podcasts, and that's where you can go to find all of the past episodes. And again, this one is 21. So next in the lifestyle segment today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about inspirational message fatigue. And I kind of got thinking about this. So the book that Francine J wrote, and I'll be talking to her next on the show, there's a section in her book about, um, it's called Lighten success. And I just want to read you a little part from that that interested me. Make your own measures of success instead of looking externally for them. Success shouldn't be gauged by your salary or bank account, nor should it be measured by social media. Success has nothing to do with the number of friends, followers, or likes you have. In fact, the time spent pursuing such metrics can prevent you from accomplishing something that actually matters. Finally, let go of the idea that to be successful, you must live an extraordinary life. Stories of people making fortunes with side hustles, writing breakout bestsellers, or otherwise achieving against all odds, and how you can too, dominate our news feeds. In our information age, these anecdotes are everywhere, making extraordinary feel like something to which we should all aspire. Realize they're more the exception than the rule, and that an ordinary life of kindness, well-being, and service to others is every bit as successful. And I know after reading that, it really got me thinking because I feel like, and it is social media that does it for sure, because in my feeds, I see so many like inspirational messages, motivational stories, all that sort of thing. And sometimes it's nice. It's sometimes it's nice to see, you know, you're beautiful or you can do it. And especially, you know, I have had moments where something pops up and it's, you know, telling you to take that chance. And it's like, yeah, I am going to go take that chance today. But some of the more specific things when people are talking about, you know, quitting their jobs and what they've gone and done, these incredible things, they're really not attainable for everyone. And I do think it's dangerous for people to 
to think that you're not as much if you have a typical day job and you haven't sold a million of anything and you're not in high demand for something because there's so much value in all of the small things that we all do every day. And when I looked into it, I thought it was funny. There's actually an Instagram account out there called Unspirational. And some of those quotes are, the best things in life are actually really expensive, <laughs> which of course is not true, but you get it. If your coffee order is more than four words, you're part of the problem. So just some, you know, poking fun at, at inspirational messages. And there's actually a Twitter hashtag as well, hashtag demotivational sayings. So I think there, I'm not the only one who's feeling a bit of fatigue with all of that sometimes. And you know what? I'm probably seeing a lot of this on my social media feeds because you know they target you with ads. So as soon as I look at one person who quit their job to travel the world and whatever, then they're going to start showing me more of those sorts of ads. But again, it's okay if you have a traditional job. Sometimes it crosses my mind like, oh, maybe I should quit teaching and I could just start whatever it is. But then I realize, oh, wait a second. No, actually, I, I like my job most of the time. I don't think anybody loves their job 100% of the time. If you do, that's fantastic. But if that's the goal you're looking for, you might never be satisfied. But sometimes when I think, oh, you know, I could just freelance and, you know, what, what freedom I would have. But then I thought, how many freelance articles would I have to have written to afford Olivia's braces if I no longer had a benefits package? There are so many um, practical things you need to think about when it comes to work. And I know in terms of dissatisfaction with traditional jobs, I hear from people, I think it's a lot of people sort of in the, in the factory business, maybe you're punching a clock, you're working on a line, maybe you don't even feel that strongly about the product you're making or what you're doing. But if that's the case for you, you can also find some of that fulfillment outside of your job. I mean, I'm lucky with teaching. I feel like some of my volunteer work is almost done through that. So for example, coaching that I do, or right now I'm organizing a fundraiser to raise money for something we want to buy for our school. I organized the Wigs for Kids assembly. I think this year we've got about a dozen girls who are cutting off their hair to donate it to kids who need it. So I can kind of do some of those things as part of my job. But if you can't, then maybe that's what you want to do on evenings or weekends. Or if you do have a side hustle, if there's something else that you enjoy, but it doesn't necessarily mean you need to feel like these other people who have, you know, quit everything and sold their homes and gone wherever or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, your day job can fund some of the other things that you want to do if there is a hobby or a side hustle. It's probably not likely you're going to be able to support your family on your scrunchie making business, as beautiful as your scrunchies may be. So... As fun as it is to look at all these motivational, inspirational things and all these stories of what other people have done, you just have to make sure that you're not judging yourself too harshly when you're looking at them. And I know sometimes I do. And then I have to remember, oh my goodness, like I love what I do. I'm fulfilled by what I do. I have other things on the side that I enjoy and, uh, and that I value. So I'm lucky that I do have all of that as one big package, but there's nothing wrong with, uh, with your traditional job or with whatever path you're taking. You don't need to feel like you need to compare to those people online. And I'm partly telling you this like I'm preaching, but partly I'm saying this to, to remind myself not to, uh, not to get ac uh, accidentally discouraged by all the motivational things that, that I see online. I am very excited to welcome this week's guest, Miss Minimalist, Francine J. She is a mom of a young daughter and also a best-selling author here to tell us all about how we can live lightly. Welcome, Francine. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So you are known as Miss Minimalist, and I think minimalism has different connotations for different people. What does it mean to you? To me, it means 
letting go of the superfluous things in your life so that you can concentrate on what's really important. And I think a lot of people, whenever they think of minimalism, just associate that with stuff, with possessions. But I like to take that further and really apply it to all aspects of life. So it's not just physical clutter, but mental clutter, emotional clutter, clutter in your schedule. Um, Minimalism is something that really reaches into all parts of your life. Well, and that kind of goes perfectly into my next question. So I loved your first book, The Joy of Less, and now you have a brand new book out called Lightly, How to Live a Simple, Serene, and Stress-Free Life. So how does this new book differ from the first? Well, The Joy of Less was really about the nuts and bolts of decluttering. I laid out a very specific method uh, for decluttering and went room by room and really just kind of held your hand um, while you decluttered everything. It was really emphasizing stuff. Lightly goes beyond that. Um, It provides an entire philosophy of life. So rather than just talk about stuff, which I do in Lightly, because I think it's Mm -hmm. really important to address that as well. It's, It's really hard, I think, to address your emotions, to streamline your schedule when you're living in a cluttered mess. (laughs) I think it really helps to have a very serene, calm, uncluttered space. It puts you in the correct mentality to to move on to those more difficult parts of your life. So Lightly is different in that respect. So it's an entire philosophy. Um, It also focuses on, I would say, curating rather than decluttering. The Joy of Less took more of a top-down approach. So this is all your stuff. Now we're going to figure out what to get rid of. Whereas Lightly goes bottoms up. Let's start with a clean slate and think, what are the essentials that we need? Um, What are the things we can't live without? It really encourages you to choose your favorite things and the most important things to you and work up from there. So it's kind of a keep the best and then declutter the rest. Decluttering is kind of the byproduct of the process in Lightly. And the title is really resonating with me lightly, and I'm sure it will uh, with many others too, because as you've said, it's a, it applies in so many different scenarios. And as you mentioned, I think the, the obvious one and the one that you focused on in your first book is the idea of lightening the stuff, sort of the physical clutter. And you're definitely preaching to the choir with me because I've, I've been a declutterer from way back. <laughs> I, love, I love purging things. Nothing gives me more joy. But I know many <laughs> listeners are eager to learn more about that. So if we start with the stuff, what are your top tips for people wanting to declutter physical belongings? You know, one of the easiest, simplest things to do, I feel, is to start an outbox. And it just it's, can be as simple as a cardboard box in your closet. I think there's this notion that decluttering has to be this big event in your life where you take a long weekend or a day off from work and, and go through everything and just declutter it all at once. And it lightly is the opposite of that. You really don't have to do that. It's more a matter of making it a lifestyle. So this outbox would just be this cardboard box you keep on hand. And literally, whenever you come across something that you don't need, you just put it in the box. You don't have to wait for a special day to get rid of it. You don't have to wait for that big decluttering session you're planning to have. Um, if you pull a duplicate corkscrew out of your kitchen drawer, instead of wondering, oh, what should I do with this? Let me put it back in here and I'll declutter it one day. You just put it in the box. Um, when you put on that blouse and then you decide it's unflattering and you take it off again, don't put it back in the closet. Put it in the box. When you finish a book that you'll never read again, put it in your outbox. It really helps you lighten up little by little on a daily basis so that you really never have to go through this big decluttering event if you don't want to. 
I think that's so funny because my next question was going to be to ask you about the outbox. So that's great <laughs> that, that, that you went there because I have one of those. I've always had one in my basement because then even with the kids, like you've outgrown that item, down it goes. We've got two of these, down one goes. And then just whenever we get around to it, we drop it off at our, at our donation center. So yeah, that's no, I love that idea. And you also mentioned that if you're going to do like a whole drawer or something like mm-hmm. that, you think it's important to empty it all out first. You don't kind of just peer in to see what can go. You, like you've mentioned the clean slate, right? I do. Um, I think it's really important to start with a clean slate. Again, traditional decluttering is this top-down approach where you look at all your stuff and you try to pick out something to get rid of. But that can be really tedious and honestly not that much fun. So again, lightly is more about curating. So you start with nothing. You empty out that entire cabinet or drawer or closet that you're working on. Take a moment, admire that gorgeous empty space. (laughs) And then hopefully you'll just be kind of reluctant to put that whole mess back in. So you really only want to put back your, your best and your most beautiful stuff, the things that you really love that you cannot live without. Um, and then, you know, just, then it's easier to just get rid of the other stuff. It's easier to just sweep the rest of the stuff into a bag and let it go. Yeah, exactly. When it comes to accumulating things, you, you make a note that we're surrounded by messages all the time, deliberately trying to convince us to consume and that we need to have some restraint when it comes to that. And that's not always easy. So what are, what's some of your advice in terms of using restraint in the consumer society? It is definitely not easy. And especially if you're prone to impulse purchases, try to institute a little waiting period before you before you indulge. And I know that that can be hard, but when you see that cute dress that's on sale or that throw pillow and you just feel like you have to buy it, leave the store. Even if you wait a day, chances are you might very well forget about it. And that's one less thing that you're going to have cluttering up your space now and that you'll have to declutter in the future. In the book, I recommend a two-week waiting period. I think that's ideal Mm because chances are two weeks, there's very only the most important things to you uh, will come back to your mind in two weeks to buy. So um, if you can wait two weeks, that's wonderful. But even if you could just do it a few days, I think that really helps to cut down on the clutter and the junk in your life because there's so much that... We just buy on impulse because we're just tempted when we're in a store. We didn't go in for it, but we see it and we're like, oh, I think I should bring that home. But but really trying to buy more with intention, um, the things that you really need rather than an impulse, the kind of things that grab you, even though you weren't expecting it. um, That's really what, what consuming more lightly is all about. Well, and I was thinking of you yesterday, it was my daughter's 13th birthday and she wanted to take a friend on a little shopping trip and there are some, you know, clothing she needed and wanted and things like that. And it was her birthday. So that's good. But I was thinking of you in terms of buying things for myself. And the only thing I purchased on a whole day at a mall was a new mascara because I've had pink eye and I actually had to throw out the old mascara. So I bought a new mascara and that was it. And I thought, okay, Francine would be proud of me. Very proud. (laughs) That's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's great. And I think that when you're trying to live lightly, I do think shopping loses some of its appeal because you mm-hmm. do start to have a mentality where you think, where am I going to put this? Or will this be hard to get rid of in the future? And especially if you're environmentally minded, I'm kind of an eco warrior. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think, oh my goodness, who made this? Where was this made? Was anybody harmed? Did this harm the environment? Once you start asking all those questions, it really puts a damper <laughs> on your on your consumerism. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, clutter isn't always physical, and you mentioned in the book digital clutter. So what are some ways of getting rid of some of that digital clutter, whether it's on our computers or phones? Again, I recommend 
lightening up little by little on a daily basis when you can. So um, instead of keeping all those bookmarks and emails um, that you have, as you come across them, it's kind of like putting them in your outbox. Delete them. Again, you don't have to wait for a special day to go through and declutter your entire um, laptop or your phone. As you come across things that are no longer relevant, no longer necessary, those shipping notifications that you saved that from last month or last year, yes. just delete them right away. <laughs> when you when you download pictures or when you're transferring pictures from your phone to your laptop, don't keep all of them. Just take five minutes to go through them and get rid of the ones that are truly awful. <laughs> um, or if you have, you know, ten pictures of the same thing, keep the best one or two, because it really does add up over time. And all of a sudden, you have all these folders and files, and it becomes more difficult to even wade through the contents of your devices. And you mention in the book, there's one section called Lighten Your Step. And you've already just mentioned here today um, about being eco-warriors. So in that section, you talk a bit about ways to become more eco-friendly. So what are some of those suggestions you have for listeners? I think one of the easiest ways is just to try to reduce or even eliminate the disposable products in your life, that makes such a huge difference. Just switching from something like paper towels to cloth uh, when you wipe up spills or from um, or to use linen napkins instead of paper napkins. Uh, always to use real dishware and real silverware rather than the paper or plastic equivalents. Um, one of the things I've loved doing is switching to a bamboo toothbrush. Once I read how many plastic toothbrushes are disposed of and end up in our oceans, um, it just it felt good to not contribute to that. So the more disposable products you can replace with reusable ones, the better. And again, that's one of the easiest things you can do to lighten your step. Mm-hmm. I have on my to-buy list right now stainless steel straws. I want to try yes. those out because with my Diet Coke, I, I do like a straw and I'm trying not to stain my teeth and all that stuff, but I know that those disposable straws, you hear about how horrible they are. So uh, I'm going to give the stainless steel ones a try. Yes, we've been using those. Um, my daughter likes to use a straw. She's seven years old. Um, we switched to stainless for her and she loves them. So when we go to a restaurant, it's funny. Someone, a waitress will ask her if she would like a straw and she says, no, I have my stainless steel one. Thank you. <laughs> so do you just keep it in a little case or how does that work? I just, I have a little cloth bag that I put it in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very neat. So I think you and I agree that um, the default answer to how are you for a lot of people has become busy and that's not necessarily a good thing. And it's funny, in my last episode, I actually shared tips for productivity. But then when I read your section on lighten your stress, I realized that ironically, a lot of my productivity advice fit in more with your idea of doing less because what I actually did was share a lot of ways people can lighten their loads so that they can have more time for the things they want to do. And I like the quote that you include from Thoreau, it is tranquil people who accomplish much, which I think is great. So what is some of your advice for people who want to lighten the stress in their lives? Doing less is just so important. And it's not something that you hear every day. We are all just so busy and almost like we're trying to outdo each other and how much we can get done. Mm -hmm. And there's so many productivity apps and life hacks um, to, to show us or help us how to get more done. And I, I really stress that that's not what this is about. It's not about getting more done. It's about having less to do. So you really, again, just as you're curating your possessions, you want to curate what you do. Um, your time is just as important as your space. So instead of, for example, you want to curate the number of activities or projects or commitments you're involved in. Uh, you don't have to 
try every hobby or every sport or everything under the sun. Pick one or two things that you love doing the most and concentrate on those. Um, you also want to curate your time and how you allocate it. So it's a matter of not letting time sinks like TV or social media um, further away your day. I mean, you might just be checking Instagram for 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there, but that might add up to an hour or two by the end of the day. So mm -hmm. it's really being aware of how you're spending your time and choosing how to allocate it a little more wisely or putting some limits on. So maybe you'll only check Facebook over lunch or one time during the day, rather than constantly picking up your phone and, and looking at it for five minutes here or five minutes there. So doing less is really just, again, being aware and curating what you do, picking the most important things instead of trying to do everything. And you talk about being able to lightly decline invitations. So I'm hoping that you will uh, indulge me here in role play. So I'm going to invite you to be part of something. And then you can show us how you can lightly decline the invitation. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So Francine, I think you would be so perfect to chair our fundraising committee. You're so organized. You're such a great speaker. You've got such wonderful ideas and it's such an important cause. You could do that for us, couldn't you? I would love to do that. It is an important cause and it sounds like a wonderful project. However, I just don't have room in my schedule right now. I do know someone, however, who might be able to help you out. Excellent. You did that so smoothly. I think so many of us, it's just almost like deer in the headlights where you feel like you have to say yes, or you, it's the guilt or whatever. So I love the idea of lightly declining. Perfect. There's so much temptation to just keep going on and offering explanations and excuses, but the shorter you can make it, not just a plain no, because I think that's just a little too abrupt, yeah. but the, the shorter and the more polite way you can say it, the better, and then just end it. Good. I realized reading the book, one area where I do really need help is in terms of being fluid. So in your lighten your spirit section, you talk about that. And I definitely struggle with this. So what do you mean when you say be fluid and what are some of the areas that applies to? It's really accepting change rather than resisting it. Life is going to always change. We might think we have everything set perfectly and then something just comes along that just kind of throws us for a loop and we don't know how to react and we get stressed out about it. It's, it's really just understanding that these things are going to happen. And the best thing that we can do is kind of go with the flow and adapt to circumstances the best we can. So I think I give an example in the book how people change. Our kids are getting older. We, we can't, they're not going to stay little forever. And we just have to adapt ourselves to their changing needs and, and help them with that. And don't think that they're always going to be these cute little toddlers that we had. <laughs> um, um, plans change. I mean, from get, having a job layoff to just missing a flight, instead of getting completely stressed out or ruining your life, you really, there's not much you can do to change the circumstance. So you might as well just go with the flow and adapt to it as best as you can. Well, and you say even we change, right? Like you mentioned the wrinkles and exactly. the gray hairs. <laughs> Don't worry so much that, about those so. wrinkles. <laughs> okay. I'll try to be fluid <laughs> and those, with those gray, gray hairs. hairs. Yeah. Aging gracefully, being open-minded. <laughs> aging <laughs> <And> lightly. <laughs> aging lightly. Exactly. So final question, Francine, do you have a This Mom Loves or a favorite thing that you could share with listeners? This mom loves 
You know, I'm late to the game on this one, but what I'm really loving right now is the Scannable app from Evernote. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everybody else has probably been using this for years. Um, one of my biggest challenges, even as a minimalist, is paperwork. Yeah. And I'm really trying to be as paperless as possible. I've always used, you know, one of the big, clunky physical scanners for all my paperwork. But what happened was I don't have a desk set up. I literally work at my kitchen table. Mm -hmm. So every time I need to use a scanner, I have to get it out. I have to find the cables to connect it to my laptop. And what happened is the the pile of paper keeps growing until I one day just sit down and do all the scanning. The scannable app is you download it to your phone. And just when a piece of paper comes along that you don't want to keep, that you need the information for, like that permission slip that comes home from school, just take a quick picture of it with the with the app and it actually turns it into a lovely pdf document that you can then airdrop to your laptop or any other device or just save it to the cloud but it's been such a game changer for me to be able to do that it's so quick and so easy and has eliminated so much paper from my life excellent great suggestion thank you so francine jay's new book lightly how to live a simple serene and stress-free life is available now i will include a link to the book as well as to francine's website and social media channels in the show notes at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts and this is episode 21 thank you so much francine for being here with me today thank you it's been such a pleasure talking to you and that's a wrap for episode 21 of this mom loves As always, if you do enjoy listening to the show, I would love if you could share with a friend, if you could rate or review wherever it is that you listen to the show, anything that helps others find it is very much appreciated by me. And I'm sure you're all going to want to go declutter something or do something to lighten your, uh, lighten your life after listening to Francine J. I'll have all the information from this episode in the show notes, as I mentioned. So information about, uh, about our bunny, as well as all of the information about my special guest today, Francine J the author of Lightly. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks to my editor, Lucas Wojcicki, for always working his magic with the audio. And I can't wait to share my special guest with you next week. You're going to be just as excited as I am. So until then, have a great week.